I use photography as a way to help me understand why I'm here. The camera helps me to see. The camera sees more than the eye, so why not make use of it? Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio. And this is Ward. And this is episode 185 for the middle of June, I think, right? Middle we're of June 2023. Yeah, we're 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 close to turning into what, summer, right? What's yeah, well, the solstice. We're, the solstice. We're getting pretty much uh, total Not the total summer here. Thing. Yeah, the yeah, solstice. Uh, it's solstice, yeah. The longest yeah. day is the solstice. Yeah. We should do it at uh, go find some uh, rock formations and, and sorry, I don't mean to make fun of the. <laughs> well, I like the idea of of going to rock formations at dawn or something. I think it might be. Uh, who knows? Yeah, might be mystical. Might not. Might be. Have you ever have Have you ever been to England? I have not. I know I, some I, English people though. English people. Yeah, I know some too. Yeah, I went to Stonehenge once. Uh, and that was an interesting experience, but we had to see it from a distance. They, they kept us very far away from it and, uh, I didn't get a chance to get up close. I think there was some, some reason why we couldn't get up close, but, uh, I saw one cartoon joke of them like moving the rocks and it was, the joke was about them changing the clock time, like shifting to daylight oh. savings time. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. But, uh, not easy. Yeah. yeah, no, not easy. So middle of June, uh, What's happening with you? Uh, we took all our smoke. We gave it to you. Right. The, yeah. And <laughs> thank you. Well, it was from your, your other half. Yeah. The, the other part of the country, which the other part you know, of the country. We're, we're all very, you know, terribly regional here. So it's not yeah. my fault this time. Yeah. With a quirk of the weather, we got all the smoke from the fire and that, you know, by now everybody have seen the photographs of the apocalypse hitting the east coast of the united states and everything turning orange it looked like the scene from uh, blade runner uh 20 what is it 2064 2040 20, 20, 20, 2046 <laughs> 2032 20, uh, whatever know, the, another, them, the second blade runner yeah and you know i i looked at someone put a comparison of the picture of uh, Gosling walking in that in that orange sky, and then you yeah. know New York and that, and I sort of remember seeing the behind the scenes of of Blade Runner. And, you know, a lot of that is colorizing, right? You know, yeah. we're doing colorization, and it made me really think about that. Like, you know, we we watch movies, we we see them, and we know these scenes that go on, and we think, okay, well, you know, they're part of the story. But yeah. if you're technical, you kind of know, well, they probably didn't shoot it in an orange environment, or maybe it wasn't as orange. Yeah. And they went and colorized it, or not colorized it, they color timed it, the old time phrase. And and then the reality is, you know, we have New York uh, and Brooklyn, and I looked out the window, and it looked exactly the same. And it just made me think that that all that work they do in films to set atmosphere can be based on reality, like the yeah. We can actually see colors in the sky and our environment that colorize the scene. So I don't know why it made me think that. It's just a, that's sort of an odd thing. I to did see uh, one Instagram reel where they were showing drone pictures like over the river and showing the Brooklyn Bridge and going towards downtown Brooklyn and playing some background music from the Blade Runner movie. It was really good. It worked really well. Someone was flying a drone over there because probably nobody would be able to see see it and they yeah. wouldn't get in trouble. Yeah. Or it was yeah. a helicopter. I don't know. But it it's seemed probably, like it's probably yeah, a drone. Probably People a drone. Yeah. You're not yeah. supposed to fly them over the city. I, know, I saw one, that's, that's I saw one flying fly out my window a couple of days ago, too. Not during the smoke, just another day when there was a yeah. rainbow. I was like, you're flying this drone. I actually saw it. I saw it. And I was like, what is that black thing in the sky that's not moving? Got my binoculars and it was one of the bigger drones. Oh, yeah. yeah. But yeah. So thanks for the smoke. Um, it's the equivalent it's the least of smoking. You know, two packs of cigarettes or something like that. Yeah. I went out in the morning. I sent you a picture and, and it was getting bad, but it wasn't that bad. But I was walking around with my mask. And by the time I got home, I ended up sending you guys on Discord, our Discord, like 
like progressive pictures as it was getting worse. Worse and worse, yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, well, it was it was an experience. I was supposed to photograph I was supposed to film a a concert that night in Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Uh Taj Mahal was playing and uh mm. And they obviously canceled it. I was I was a little concerned because we we're going to be shooting out there with masks, and I knew it was going to be kind of smoky. I was like, "We need masks," and then it just got worse and worse and worse. And they started canceling everything in the city, and they canceled that uh, until tonight. And and of course, tonight in Brooklyn, it's pouring rain. <laughs> the exact opposite of the smoke. Yeah, but you're not working that. You're not working. I'm that not working now. that. I wasn't available because I have things to do tonight, which is this is one of them. So, yeah. But cool. anyway. Thank you for the, thank you for the smoke. Hey, Canada, thank you hey. for the smoke. Yeah. I heard uh, somebody complaining on, you know, like crazy people on social media. Oh, I think I sent you this about uh, the Canadians don't put out their fires because they have free health care. <laughs> that, <one? laughs> that was one of the more bent of the conspiracy theories there you I go. heard. Yeah. I, so. It, and that yeah. was a was that serious or did it have a smiley face after? Oh, I've yeah. no, it didn't have a smiley face. Oh, geez, like, okay, yeah, crazy people, crazy just, people, crazy people on the funny. internet. Where do they come from? What is? I don't know. Yeah, okay. So, anyhow, uh, uh, oh, and I, I just so quickly mentioned uh, since I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. This is more of my personal thing, but we had our memorial for my um, wife last Sunday. Uh, not this past, not yesterday, but the previous Sunday, Sunday before. And, and everything went perfect. I mean, as an oh, event, good. you know, because this is an event, getting all the things together. But we were lucky that we didn't have the smoke that day. It was actually a perfectly beautiful day. Mm. And cool. um, uh, I, I wanted to mention that uh, oh, I got all my AV stuff working and I actually live streamed it with, with no glitches with this little Insta360 camera that I've got now oh, that you're cool. seeing me on. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you know, something like that worked perfectly. But I did, I ran, um, I did two slideshows. Actually, I did one video and a slideshow. And I just want to talk about the slideshow for a quick second. Uh, I, uh, I made this slideshow using some music, uh, non-copyrightable, I mean, copyrighted music, but it's just for us. Yeah. And, uh, but I used this app I wanted to mention called um, Photo Magico. Uh, it's on the Mac. I don't know if it's on PC, uh, but it helped make the slideshow incredibly easy. And what I was able to do, uh, I would have done it myself in Final Cut and, and timed mm -hmm. it with the music and stuff like that. But this um, app, actually, if you drop into music, it will find where the beats are and then give you cut marks. And then oh, cool. you can automatically drop in images and it will match the image, um, the cut mark, sorry, the transition to the mm -hmm. beats of the song. And it really worked for this. It really helped put a slideshow together really nice with music and, and these pictures I did. And, uh, it really made the, the, um, presentation. I don't know what you want to call it. The services, I should say. Um, it, it summed it up really nicely. It was good. I'm glad. Yeah. And so, and, and a lot of people, you know, actually there was a lot of photography, involved in this and i had actually brought two um, polaroid cameras with me mm. and I, I gave them out to let people photograph because i really wanted the um i wanted the physical picture as a mm. as an artifact of that day sort of the same thing like i did at the beginning of the pandemic where i walked around and with my polaroid camera because there's an actual print that was made on that day you know right. and so i gave my cousin's daughter the, she took the camera, at least took one of the cameras and walked around and I was running. I had all this film that was about to expire or it actually had expired. I was like, let me just see what happens with it. Yeah. And she shot tons of pictures with it. So at some point I'll put those up and show them. It's just regular snapshots. But anyway, it was, it was a lot of nice photography. So anyway, I wanted to mention that, that app and leading into the first thing I want to talk about, speaking about apps and stuff, uh, you know, the big news in, in the Apple world, I know we're not such a gear thing, but I had to talk about this is the uh, vision pro goggles. The, the spatial computing is what Apple's calling it. The okay. augmented reality, virtual reality, ski goggles, uh, which first of all, I'm just going to say, I want them. <laughs> surprise, 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 surprise. I, you know, I, I've been wanting, actually, the first time I played with VR a while back, which would, with Oculus first came out, someone I met let me run some um, beta software on one. Mm -hmm. 
And I was blown away by it. I was like, this is crazy, you know? And it was a bigger headset. It was very uncomfortable. And I was, you know, wow, this is not like that. I know you said you didn't, you didn't catch the, the, no, I just saw the, the headlines. I don't know anything about its specifications or computing yeah, required to drive it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah. Without going into all that, you know, there's, there's, the thing has got a million cameras on it and it's not, you know, not, not hyperbole. I mean, it really has like, I think at least half a dozen cameras on the outside and then a bunch oh. of infrared sensors on the inside. But I want to talk about the cameras on the outside because one of the things they talked about was that it can photograph in three dimensions, 3D, right? And that you can right. play it back. When you play it back on the headset, it's a very immersive uh, experience watching what you had just filmed. So they show <laughs> this scene of this father, you know, uh, filming with the headset on his daughter playing with another little girl. And I, it was the most ridiculous thing I saw I've seen. <laughs> because the first thing I thought about, and this is going to date me, and a lot of people who are listening to this probably never heard of it. It's a very obscure movie. There was this movie in the early 80s or late 70s, I can't remember the exact date, uh, by Albert Brooks. Uh, no relation to Mel Brooks, as far as I know, right? Yeah, it's just Albert Brooks. Is a, yeah. he, used to, he used to write comedy, I think, for Saturday Night Live. It was a, he was, anyway, yeah. also an actor. He did this movie, uh, which was like a, f uh, what do you call a fake documentary? Mockumentary? Mockumentary, yeah. Mockumentary, which I didn't think it had that phrase back then. It was called Real Life, and it starred Charles Grodin and some other people. And, and Albert Brooks is in it. And Albert Brooks plays a filmmaker who wants to film a family in real life like he wants to be an in place with his cameras and stuff like that and, and follow a family and he he invents or someone invents these cameras that the cameramen are supposed to wear and they i'll put the pictures of these in the show notes you can see them they look like sort of upside down garbage can uh, like space helmets right <laughs> okay. with this thing in the front and and they they're white with this this sort of uh you know smoky glass thing where the cameras supposed to be and they're walking around holding the camera, like their arms are up and it's the most ridiculous thing. And of course it's, the, it's sort of, they sort of don't blend into the background. Anyway, I'm watching this Apple thing and it looks like the same thing, except the guy is standing there and you know, it's just a headset and he's yeah. fiddling around with the buttons on the side and he's filming these kids. And it's like, I'm trying to imagine this in real life. Like would I'm there will be people who do this. Cause I actually know people who, who like will go to an event of their own child's event and will spend the entire time behind the camera and set up lights yeah. and stuff like that. But it, to me, it's the most crazy thing to see. And so I, I just wanted to mention that because, but I do think that that's going to be a, a future that we're going to be running into this immersive photography thing. Like, and I, I thought like, if I was gonna do something like that, why not just set the damn headset up on a tripod? Right. You know, and then I get into the, you know, then it's just filming us doing our thing. And mm -hmm. then I'm in it as well. And I'm not spending time behind these goggles, like, you know, five You don't have to be to you trying to imagine what you're going to say next. You can right. just watch the conversation. Right. Well, it also, it also reminded me of, uh, I think I maybe talked about this a long, long time ago, but when I used to go on trips with my camera and I used to photograph stock and I used to get the pictures back that my memories of where I was, like I went to Germany or something like that. And I'm looking mm -hmm. at the pictures of the bridge in Heidelberg and I'm like, Oh, that's exactly what I saw because I spent my time looking at the scene through my camera, uh, you know, viewfinder, that's my right. memory of it. So the picture right. is an accurate representation of my memory because you know, I wasn't looking at it with my eyes. I was looking at it through my, you know, camera and telephoto lens. And so anyway, I think that's some, something to sort of, I don't know, well on a little bit i mean this is this thing is not going away and i'm sure there are going to be other kinds of technology that does the same thing and right. maybe even you know someone will come out with a 3d camera that then you can watch the video or or, or photographs through a headset like the um, the vision pro and get the same kind of experience mm -hmm. but you know this idea of like being removed from the event like you're in, you're you're part of the event but you look like an idiot you know <laughs> filming it <laughs> <laughs> it's like with this headset on and not being actually part of it, but then looking at it, replaying it. And, and that's the memory you have because you were there looking through those goggles and that's where the cameras were. And that's your recollection of the event. Of course, you were not part of the event at all. You're just this 
observer, you know, maybe if you hired Very somebody cool. to walk around. But anyway, uh, the, the pictures, the, you'll see the, the, the shots of the real life headsets, the real life camera operators and, and to me it was exactly the same thing it's just like yeah you, you look very out of place there <laughs> but i think this is just our getting used to this this is now uh you know well we had apple 10 years ahead. ago we had google goggles right that was sort yeah of i had the, the cardboard of version of those yeah i bought i bought a cardboard version of it but i never that's one where you stuck the phone in there right and yeah no that what they had there was actually a pair of glasses that had a camera Oh, there was, and then yeah. a little a little prism kind of thing with a with a uh, a small display that you could move, you know, select. I don't know on the side of the stem of the glasses, whatever oh. you could select different options, and you could have t the temperature on, you know, on the bottom left corner, you know, just so you could see it all walking the around all the time. Hey, it's still <laughs> seventy eight degrees. <laughs> yeah. you know? Anyway, I I thought it was cool. I think there's you know. Uh, this is going to take a step in a new direction, especially with, with media mm -hmm. filming, you know, the, a lot of the descriptions that they were talking about with the immersive descriptions of being like in the middle of a baseball game or like on courtside seats in a basketball game, better than reality uh, and stuff. And, and who knows, maybe Apple's doing this right. And certainly they've opened the door, I think now to something new, but uh, I'll be really curious. I mean, I want it, you know, this will be interesting to see, you know, in nine months when it comes out, uh, yeah. what, what will be done with it and and uh anyway but just, spend three and a half grand on it but then know <laughs> that you don't have to spend 12 bucks on a hot dog at the ballpark right right, right. <laughs> just get your own hot dog that's right <laughs> but i i do like the idea of giant screens so um anyway that's that anyway whatever I, know, cool. I just wanted to mention that because it was it was in the news and it just caught my attention as as a photographer uh and, you know, the door is open. I mean, the, you know, who knows what is going to come from this. But I do want to sort of keep an eye on this. Ah, that's bad. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I know what you're saying. So what's so, yeah. your, you, you want to talk about your sure. you know, experience with the... So my Something. thing what i'm what we're doing what i'm doing um yeah when did we talk about journaling did we talk about it in the last episode it was, was the this last episode yeah or, so yeah. we i decided to yeah, go down that route and okay and um i had a photograph in mind that was sort of my initial inspiration and it was a alfred stiglitz picture of um of i guess a donkey or a, a horse with um uh, with its towing rig on. It's very interesting when we were looking at it after the last show, we were saying it's all got triangles. The whole thing is nothing but triangles in the composition. It was about the kind of the strength and grace and animals and that sort of thing. And so this last weekend was the Hand Hills Lake Stampede, which is, if you know uh, me or listen to me for any period of time, you know, I have, we have this book uh, with Mark Ryerson and, and me created this book of photographs that are uh, about uh, the, where the stampede or the the, the rodeo was actually the subject of the of uh, the book, and this was me using that journal to give try and give myself a mindset for what I was going to do when I was shooting, and it was very liberating on a couple of fronts. One was. One well, was, sorry, can you describe the journal and like what were you doing? Oh no, I would I, just I, I all I did was write some notes about what I was thinking. Okay. About I wanted to, it to be not necessarily for someone else to view, but it was going to be a more uh, internal exploration of what I see at at the rodeo, and not be bound by uh, time or the need to cover everything. I could sort of go at a, at whatever my whim was or whatever I felt and what I saw. Um, I mean, in, in a lot of ways I didn't take a lot of pictures were kind of similar to what I would have taken for the book, but they were framed differently. Uh, they were framed in a more, you could call it haphazard, but a, a looser way, uh, so that the pictures were more evocative. I wanted to, um, evoke a feeling about the rodeo or a feeling about the animals, a feeling about the competitors that was more abstract than what we were trying to do with the book. How many days were you there for? Three. 
Oh, so you were the, the whole thing. The whole thing, yeah. So we came on the Thursday night, and then there's the lead up. Uh, there's a full day of, well, full day. It's four hours from noon until four of uh, competitors that have to be somewhere else that weekend. So they come on the Friday and they compete and then they take off for the rest of the weekend. And then the two main days or the show or whatever you want to call it, which is Saturday and Sunday. Mm. And then there are cabarets each night. There's a, there's a cabaret Friday night and a cabaret Saturday night. So I also took photographs of the people reveling in there and the band that was playing and just these different environments or different uh, ways that people interact with each, with each other, which is definitely a common theme. I mean, they didn't mm -hmm. get that from the street. And I do have a kind of a background project called the Love Book Project that I have oh. as well, which is just people interacting in a human way. So sort of a, a, a mind, well, mind meld is the wrong word, a, a melding <laughs> together. It's a Star Trek. It comes out, yeah, whatever. Um, it's just a melding together of all these things that are going on, mm -hmm. uh, but with the context of the rodeo. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was great because I was working inwardly. I was just thinking about, do I want to take a picture of this? No. Do I want to take a picture? Oh yeah. And there's something interesting going on here. And you know, there's abstract patterns and, and, and those sorts of things where I could just create a, a pattern of an image as opposed to something that documents something. And it's a lot and different than how you approach the book with Mark, right? Yeah. Because we were looking, it was a destination. It was a place to put things for other people to enjoy, put images for other people to appreciate and enjoy. And so the construction part of that was putting it together in a form that is usable and enjoyable and appreciated by other people where well, this is not that I just went after whatever I wanted. And, um, uh, it was really liberating that for that reason. Um, it felt weird at first, but when I started to shoot, well, I did have one technical, not really issue, but a hurdle to overcome was I used, um, an adapted lens from mm. the early eighties. Um, a Nikon, a Nikkor 135 F 2.8. What an amazing lens that is. So that's, that's an my, oldie too. I mean, that's an oldie. Around, and it's been it around is, for a zillion years. Yeah. Yeah. And thank goodness it has the depth of field markings on it because, Why? because I was often shooting at F eight and F 11 and I could get everything from, 20 meters to 60 meters or everything from 20 meters or whatever it is from 60 meters to infinity or just so that I could zone focus a little bit. I could use the hyperfocal at smaller apertures and it was great. And I needed to use smaller apertures anyway because it was very bright when I was shooting there and I didn't want the, um, um, I didn't want the, I wanted things to be stopped down a little bit so I could get some of the slower shutter speeds I wanted because I wanted the blur to happen mm. um, without. It's, sorry. Um, yeah. Do the depth of field scales work? I mean, that's a, that's a lens for a full frame camera for a 30 right. millimeter yeah. film. Yeah. Does it work the same on the smaller sensors at the same depth of field scale? When you I get believe to so because it's it focusing it's, in the same place, right? Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't I mean, change I, anything. Right. It's just, okay. Yeah. So I, and I didn't, I mean, I didn't give really give it a second thought. I just started using them because yeah. it's, it's tough to focus. It's hard. It's difficult to turn the barrel. It's right. You're doing all manual age. focus on this thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, and I was using focus peaking and stuff like that. So, and I had to turn the, I had to turn the gain up on the EVF uh, pretty much all the way to the top. So I could see the red fuzz on my subjects <laughs> when I was using the focus peaking. Right. So, and, and I did get better at it by Saturday. It was a combination of pre-focusing, knowing what I was going to do, looking at the uh, markings to say, okay, well, when the bull rider gets to this point, I'll be here and so on. So I was able to get that, uh, to get that. And I figured it out and I'm a big fan. I, 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 I've, uh, borrowed that lens and I don't want to give it back. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Shh, shh, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Just <don't> um, <laughs> yeah, I still got it. It's, uh, I got to take it over, you know, when, when I have time, I'll take it over. I don't know when I'm going to have time. It's just, it's so busy. <laughs> um, I remember so having yeah. that. I remember. I, sorry, I just wanted to, uh, it was one of those lenses that I never ended up getting uh, on, on my Nikon system. Uh, I remember. The I had a Takumar 135 F 3.5. It oh. was terrible. It was the first of the, of the bayonet mount Takumars, SMC Takumars on my, uh, my, whatever, my K 1000. 
And it was not, I just, I struggled with it all the time. I couldn't, it was too long or not long enough. It was in the middle. Uh, but on a crop sensor camera, it's the equivalent of just over 200 millimeters. Yeah, so yeah, that's a yeah. sport. Now it's, it's this tiny rig and I sent you a picture of it, right? Yeah. yeah. With my XC3 and this nice palm size telephoto lens and I'm getting the How equivalent the handling of 200 millimeters. Most, mostly the weight is on the lens. So it must yeah, the weight, weight is nicely. in the lens. No problem at all. Yeah. Um, the, there aren't many 135 millimeter lenses now, I think in modern cameras. I don't know if that's a popular... Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't, I don't think so. It used to be very popular back when we were, you know, film photography yeah. and, and and whatnot. But I don't see a lot of that now. And you know, there's a lot of in-betweens. And, but I don't think 135 is a very popular format anymore. So that's interesting. Yeah. 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 No, it is with me for sure. So anyway, going back to the shooting experience or, or the, the kind of uh, whatever you want to call it, the internal dialogue within myself. So... I felt I didn't feel bound at all to have to s photograph anything. So I photographed everything. So oh, yeah. from the steers waiting to be released in competition to the cowboys sitting up on the fence, you know, fooling around to uh, there's a picture of my wife and her girlfriend and my cousin's wife chatting, hollering at each other in the cabaret because it's so loud in there. <laughs> uh, uh three people, strangers just came up to me and wanted their picture taken. So they lined up and I had the 16 millimeter and they were just putting their fists in the air. I don't know why, <laughs> but okay, I'm taking advantage of this. I mean, this is weird. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, one guy had a t-shirt with stars and stripes on it. And I'm like, it's, it's kind of rare to see that in Canada. That's okay. There's something going on here. So I took that picture. And so there are all these things that just come out of nowhere that were coming at me. So, um, so it was good in that way. And I did other things. I did, um, I took nightscapes of the empty stands that were sort of lit by floodlights and the, and, and kind of, um, uh, a landscape almost of the cabaret tent, the beer mm. tent. It was so huge and it was, you know, lit from the inside. Uh, so it was kind of interesting. So are you uh, saying because you had no objective that you're, you're, like in this case, you're not doing a book. It's like that. You just felt like you have more freedom. Just yes. do whatever you want. Yeah. It's really interesting. That's so interesting. Cause I would think when you're doing a book, you would want to shoot as much as possible. And then pair you it for down, coverage, which... but the feeling is coverage, right? I need to get okay. this and this and this. Cause you want I to say, just... you're trying to tell a story with the book that now you're not yeah. trying to tell a story. Although we said in the introduction, we're trying not to do that, but really <laughs> we did. <laughs> it starts in the morning and it ends at night. I mean, that's a story, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but this would, no, I was just left to, oh, this is interesting. I'm going to shoot this without. Uh, no, there's no external reasons for me not to take a picture. I would just shoot it. And I ended up shooting as much as I would, maybe two thirds as much as I would if I was, when I was shooting the book. So I just still did shoot a lot. So I've got a fair amount that I would say I have fewer, my hit rate is probably fewer because mm -hmm. I am working on a whim. So an idea I had in a flash wouldn't work because the show rider who went by me went by a little too fast and I missed the moment and that sort of thing. Um, so it was just, uh, you know, just to kind of spur the moment decisions all the time. Um, so my hit rate was a bit lower and that's another reason why I'm thinking, uh, among others that I will make this a multi-year project and I'm leaving myself open to the fact that I may not even re restrict it to just the rodeo. Maybe a oh, combination really? of my street and all that kind of stuff. Because how, how come? Huh. Well, because of the mindset I discovered when I was there about this thing of just shoot whatever you want, right? Um, and the the way people interacted and um, well, there's some philosophic, personal philosophical stuff that I I think I'm starting to think about when I was shooting this project, and it had to do with. Uh, my leaving, living in the country when I was 18 years old. So when I go back to my cousins in the country, they're in a lifestyle and a pulse of life that I sort of knew 40 plus years ago, right? I'm not of that. I'm from it, but I'm not of it. And I think I'm working through some feelings of, you know, I'm showing the cowboys and the bull riders and their face down in the dust. Like, uh, am I, am I, putting a bad spin on their lifestyle or mm -hmm. something, or am I showing, 
you know, that they're strong, strong and, you know, it's definitely more manly pursuit than working in computers, right? You're, you know, you're chasing after cattle and riding horses and all that kind of stuff, a different, a different kind of lifestyle. So I'm just, I'm just trying to, things are occurring to me as I'm at doing these edits. So I'm doing uh very light editing right now, just to get the subjects and lining them up in a folder to review over and over and over again. Mm. And then nothing and like with the book nothing is sacred like if i have a better picture to replace it whether it's in the same in the same collection for this particular weekend or if it's in the future i'll certainly discard it and replace it with something that says basically the same thing better Uh, but i really like the subconscious part of it it's sort of like Mm. i'm i'm pulling levers and playing notes that i don't exactly know what i'm doing but I'm still getting, you know, my old expression, pleasing notes from the instrument, right? I'm getting things that have a meaning for me, even if they don't make sense. Well, do me a favor for a second and translate that experience, because you said you might mix it up with your street photography. How how will this experience that you had there translate? And you say you shoot anything you want. Don't you do that already? Or, or um, I like, do. It, it I does do. sound like you have some sort of newfound freedom, and it sounds exciting to do it with your street photography. I'm just saying, yeah, but I have any a, different than what you're doing already. Yeah. So I haven't done any street photography since. So I've just have a different feeling. Like I'm looking, um, uh, when I'm shooting street, I'm looking for the, uh, geometry and, the um, the, the way people are arranged. I'm waiting for there to be in a, a moment. It's all very waiting for the plans to converge. Are we going to, are we going to get it, get it, get it? Okay, good, good. Right now, you know, it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. With that, it was very floaty and you're not trying to, it's not quite as tightly bound. So I would do probably end up doing more fragments of architecture and people in like I've, and I've done those pictures before where there are people in the architecture or there's for scale or whatever. And I, and I don't want it to be a compositional trick to say, wow, this building is really big because look at that little guy there. It's like trying to help the viewer get the scale. I, I'm trying not to care about any of that. Right, right. Trying to just, you know, here's a picture of feet on a grate or something. So it's sort of like the kind of stuff Mark and I were doing early on, 2014, 2015, where we're just trying to find details that fill the frame. This time, uh, I think I can do that a little bit differently and just use this, whatever, this whim, this subconscious click of the shutter and not worry so much about composition. So, so yeah, and, and it's funny, the compositions that I am creating are, I think are good. They're just, they're they're coming from a different place. Hmm. And a great learning from uh, and I was, and one that my favorite part of it was, was not what I expected. So we really got off f- away from the Stiglitz picture, which was just about an animal and the rigging that's on it now where it's like, this is Ward exploring what he sees and I mean, not, and, and not, a, not just that, but what I might feel about what's going on around me mm, mm. as opposed to constructing, uh, constructing uh, compositions and so on. It kind of makes you think you don't want to wait for the next rodeo. <laughs> it's like, well, it's I don't have, there's a lot, plenty of small town rodeos. It's just, I won't have the same access that I do there. Right. Oh, cause they allow okay. me to go behind the shoots and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I they do. do. Yeah. Oh, it's nice to have that. Yeah. yeah. So that's nice. And if you ever come up here, I will certainly take you back there. And so uh, ultimately you planning something with these images, you're going to show them, not show them. You don't know yet. I won't show them. I don't think I'll show them in social media. I don't think they would be understood very well and and uh, that's fine and i think i would just rather hoard them i mean i did share some with you and and the, uh us in the in the in the collective uh just to say you know this is def- definitely a different tack for me and that it's like i say it's liberating and um i don't have any problems with you know whether you like them or not this is the direction i'm going and it's uh, you know it's it's very cool and i feel like i'm going somewhere with this so, yeah, so that's what's going on there. Um, I'll update, the, I'll print some of these pictures just on our little HP printer and stick them into the journal and write down the observations, many of which I just shared with you here, and put them in there and then ask myself a bunch of questions about what it is I want to do next. 
what are the questions? Am I, am I really like, um, you know, dissing manhood in the country or am I dissing my own manhood or am I, you know, all that kind of stuff, like where are the differences and that would, that, that's, that was a complete surprise to me. Oh, okay. Wow. You know, so, you know, we're making, making some interesting progress. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, well, if you're ever up for sharing any of those pages, <laughs> I mean, just curious, like you don't have yeah. to share it with the, no, I don't like, I'd like to see it. I'm not saying everybody else could see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got a, I've got a really poor, like school notebook thing I'm putting in, but there's only mm-hmm. a couple of pages. So I'm going to transcribe that into a proper, it's not going to be moleskin, yeah. but it'll be nice. <laughs> and, and I will print my little pictures and stick them in there with my chicken scratch writing. And uh, part of it is you may not be able to read my writing, which is good because it'll all be code. It'll all be <laughs> cartouches and whatever, hieroglyphics. Well, anyway. Cool. So that all reminds me that uh, of our, our, I would say our main topic, but the thing we kind of wanted to talk about also uh, about showing pictures is yeah. we both watched the uh, recent uh, video from our friend, uh, Alex Kilby. Shout out to Alex. If you're listening, yes, please Alex. listen, please yeah, listen, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> and if you're not, if you don't know who Alex Kilby is, go and subscribe to his uh, video feed on YouTube uh, called the uh, photographic eye. Uh, great, great, uh, show, uh, and talking about uh, like us, not the hows of photography, but the whys he does dabble in the house, but it, it all sort of comes together. But anyway, the, uh, recent video that he put up, which caught both of our attention was, uh, uh I think the title was the, the, my, the mayor paradox, the yeah. biggest lie social media feeds photographers, um, talking about, uh, Vivian Meyer and her uh, extensive body of unseen work and uh, how um, are, are people photographers, are we photographers if we don't show our work, which I thought was, you know, sort of the equivalent of a tree falls in the forest and there's nobody there to hear it. Does it make a noise or does the tree even fall, you know? Um, right. And, and, uh, and so I thought we'd talk about that too. And in sort of relationship to, to what you're talking about, your, um, in, in some way about your rodeo pictures, you know, yeah. uh, or, or your idea for the whole thing and, and, and the fact that, you know, you're not going to be showing them on social media. And I, and I thought, and so anyway, I, um, what did you think about the video? What was, what was going on in your mind? I thought it was or about the content, about what he was talking about. And it's not about Vivian Meyer, although she's sort of the. The focal point well, of this. Yeah, she's, well, she's the focal point because her work is so authentic, interesting, and follows a tradition of mid-century American photographers, American street photographers, which are our inspiration. I mean, you and me, this is, you know, this is our source material for our photo DNA, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, no, I found it interesting in that she, I mean, it's Vivian Meyer's complex subject because she tended to be a recluse. She was a bit of a hoarder. She was a strange and interesting person. But when she went out on her walks uh, with her with her um, uh, kids that she was babysitting or nannying for, uh, she did this amazing work. And she kept it, um, kept it to herself. You know, they said that she, you know, she did very little of her own printing and processing, but she had very mm-hmm. specific instructions for the, for the <laughs> right. chemist or whomever right. was processing the images. Um, so she was a technical photographer. We know this about her and that she was quite methodical. And, you know, you follow the chronology of her work. And, and the one commentator that we read uh, had said that, that she was working through, uh, she was working through the, the, her technique as she matured and, mm-hmm. you know, she was a full on street photographer, certainly towards the end of her, the end of her, um, uh, life or the end of her working life anyway. Um, so no, I, no, I found it interesting in that she, she did keep to herself. She didn't share. And I think, uh, 
I'm just trying to think if there were, there were some prints that were made that were hung up somewhere. Like it wasn't, it wasn't very often anyway. It doesn't matter. No, no. it might be in the documentary. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen the documentary. Yeah. Uh, But she had, I mean, she had a mature vision that nobody saw. And for people like us, you know, who say, you know, what might have been if we'd never seen them, we're poor for not seeing, have, having seen them. Um, but did she really want to be seen? She might have just been doing it for her own enjoyment, and that's her right as an artist. That's the, you know, that's the thing that I'm going to say bothers me about it. The longer I've thought about her situation, you know, she didn't process tons of film. There was stuff that was in, you know, found in her storage um, we also have to remember that Gary Winogrand had thousands of rolls of film yeah. that he, I don't know, thousands, but, you know, a lot of film that he left when he died. I'm, I'm guessing he didn't expect to die and not process them, but yeah. he didn't process them immediately. And, uh, you know, I always think in Gary's uh, circumstances that he was more, I always felt like he was more about taking the pictures. Right. <laughs> and less about what they looked like after they were processed or something like that, which I don't know if that's what, what was going on with, with Vivian Meyer as well. I mean, if she, or if she just didn't have the time and we'll never know this story, but there's this part of it that makes me think this is sort of a side story to it a little bit that a, I mean, we don't know how she would feel. I mean, my guess is, she took pictures on her own. She didn't share them as much, which maybe meant that she didn't want people to see them. This was just something that she did. And yeah. she wasn't into fame or, or notoriety or, or wanting to show the world her vision. Like none of that seemed to come across because if it did, I think she would have probably spent more time, mm-hmm. you know, showing her work. But do we, you know, do we have the right? I mean, we're better off seeing her work than not seeing her work and the fact that she's dead she has no say in it and she didn't leave any instructions about that right but like how do we feel that you know this is something that you know we're looking i feel like we're looking into her private life and and is that a good thing or a bad thing and and the genie is out of the bottle so we can't not look at it now but you know did she mean that to happen and my guess is not because of her circumstances and the way Mm -hmm. she left things but you know that's one thing but the the idea that kilby brings up and and maybe he's getting it through other people you know watch his video so you can get his ideas on this is that she is someone like vivian Meyer, less of a photographer because she doesn't show her stuff and i was like you know i you know because today we're sort of saturated in social media and this idea of producing something new and like the like even the work that you're doing now at the rodeo you know there's this pull we all feel it to like oh i just photographed this great stuff let me you know now show it to the world and and get a you know everybody get a dopamine hit from it and then move on and when you and i grew up there was none of that really Uh, and i even think about this like i didn't you know until and i can't remember when social media really first like started to take hold and and i remember this idea of sharing pictures who was i talking about this with was it Dave on our discord? I can't remember. Oh, but this idea of like, like sharing pictures was so freaking alien to me. Like I was like, why would you do this? <laughs> I was like, why would I start posting my pictures up like this? You know, and now I don't even think we don't even give it a second thought. And well, maybe yeah. we do I think we found thought. space to, um, knowing now that we're out to walk in the street, knowing that we can post what we're, what we're doing. I mean, I find it a, a bit of a motivation in that I, my dopamine hit is, is putting it out there and getting the likes and whatever you want to say about that. It's, it's true. You know, even if it's one or two. Um, but in the old days, our dopamine hit was going to the drugstore and picking up the, the yeah, but that was pictures. for us. That was our own self system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did that make us less of photographers? You know, I mean, I, I shot a lot of stuff, like I said, for stock and I would, I would go and get it and I would submit it, you know, and so it wasn't really shooting for myself. It was, that was, excuse me, that was my job yeah. to do. Uh, but for my own personal work, you know, there was that same waiting to get the Kodak boxes sent back to me from Fairlawn. 
yeah. uh, and, and getting excited by that and sitting there on the light box and looking at the pictures. But then, the, you know, my, you know, behind me, you're seeing right here, it's yeah. like five bins of slides, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, some of those I shot for myself and they weren't meant to be seen or, you know, it was just doing it for some, but that the, when I was photographing those things that I say, well, I'm not a photographer cause I'm not showing it. Um, yeah. I don't think that ever came across my mind. And, and it's interesting that that's coming up now because why would it be any different just because we have social media or, or all these ways of, of viewing our pictures or sharing them? Why would that make anybody less? Well, of a photographer? we've been conditioned to, th you know, with social media came a bunch of behaviors and societal social procedures and aspects around it. You know, and we became, we, people started to identify as photographers. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that there's an, I think that it's different for different people in different contexts. I know there are people who take pictures that don't ever want to share them. They're mm -hmm. deeply personal. Their family snaps. They, they'll get them, you know, maybe they'll get them printed or put them in an album or something do a Shutterfly or, a, you know, an Apple book thing and just put it on the shelf. I know lots of people like that. Mm. There are uh, lots of people, actually, I was just, uh, my, my sister-in-law's brother was just offering to sell me his film equipment. It was like a Nikon FM and, and some lenses. I was like, no, thank you. I don't, I don't want to do that. But he takes all these pictures. He's got some good equipment. And he yeah. knows photography, but he's not, as far as I know, in a camera club or, you know, it's just shooting for himself. All the slides are in, you know, pictures that he looks at on the trips that he takes, you know. Yeah. How much uh, did he want for that FM? Because <laughs> <laughs> I got some Nikon lenses here that are stuck with adapters. I, you know, I, it oh, that's interesting. No, 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 no. Uh, um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but the, um, I just lost my train of thought, but that's not no, you. Sorry. That's me. No, 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 no. That's me. Cause it, I had a, I had a thing. Um, I was looking at the, uh, the notes we had down about, Oh, you know, this uh, Kilby talks about in the video. And I'm not sure he knows this for a fact, but you know, that Vivian Meyer was probably, you know, aware of the photographers in her time period, the, you know, whoever was showing their work or, you know, he said the way he said it was, that was interesting. It was on her, <laughs> on her, uh, you know, on her feed, on her news feed, you know, oh, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we know that, you know, and, and, and whether or not Vivian Meyer's work is derivative of other photographers or she's just really doing her own thing. I mean, the fact that she's probably less influenced by other photographers just for the sheer fact that, someone in her time period is just not seeing as many images right as we are you know uh and yet we're um we're in sort of this echo chamber of photography now where yeah. the the pictures that we do even if we are doing them for ourselves and not planning to show them how much are they getting influenced by the people and the photography that we see through all the medium that we're uh that we're uh, exposed to these days. Mm -hmm. And, um, the idea is like, well, what if we don't do that? Like, how do we, and, and, and what you're describing before about your experience at the rodeo that you have this sort of starting point, this Stieglitz picture as sort of a, it's a single shot and, yeah. and we'll put this in the show notes because it's, it's a really interesting picture. Like that is sparking you in, Help me out with this because, okay, well, yeah, it was because this the works into thought, this story because it's an old picture that I know from a long time ago, right? And but this so, somehow ties into this thing that we're talking about with with Meyer and being a photographer, yeah, stuff like that. So, yeah, but just for to to close the loop on that, I wanted because it's animals. I'm taking pictures of people with animals and whatever right. the relationship between them. You had to start somewhere. This journalist project had to start somewhere, and a big proponent of. Okay, what is it 
Is there a problem I'm trying to solve? Is there something I want to explore? Okay, what could I do? The Stiglitz picture. I'll start there. And then once I got there, I was maybe about 10 minutes thinking about the Stiglitz picture. And then mm-hmm. I saw other stuff. And it took me, and then I was off to the races, as it were, right, after right, that. Right. Um, so now I've lost my train of thought. With, <laughs> with, um, with Vivian Meyer... Um, well, I mean, go she, ahead. it was just where she was on the street, right? And the type of equipment that she had, that twin lens that she had, um, it offers its own way of working, its own way of seeing. It forces you to be formal, I think, you know, because the images are, you know, laterally reversed. And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of just filling in nonsense here, but it's well, sort of like the, 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 the mode of operating the camera kind of puts you in this kind of formal and interesting dynamic and aesthetic just by its nature. Mm, that's true. That's true. The other thing uh, I, I wanted to touch on, which now I just got back to my train of thought, too, Yay. was that, you know, Myers is working for an audience of one. Yes. For herself, right? As far as we yeah. can tell. I mean, yeah. there's no real information that she's shooting for an audience or somebody else. And, and she's working for an audience of one. And are we still doing that today? Or are we not doing that? Are we even like, I start to think now out loud, the, the, you know, I'm reacting to uh, my audience, which is the local Facebook groups that I'm posting my pictures of the neighborhood and that zine that I made. Mm-hmm. And I'm reacting in some way and it becomes a feedback loop because I post the pictures, first of all, and then people respond and say, I really like seeing the details of it. And so I'm there going off and finding more details and finding, you know, it, and it becomes a cycle. And am I working for an audience of one myself? In some way I am yeah. because I enjoy taking these pictures, but I'm also, am I influenced by the audience, which can be the case. Right. And, uh, I mean, we're going off in a different direction here, but like whether or not a photographer and not sharing the work, but uh, there's a lot to this video and there's a lot to the, to, to this story. So, you know, you're working in the rodeo now for an audience of one. It's right. It's you. Um, And because if we're working in an audience for one, does that make us a photographer? And I, I don't even know how to answer that question. I mean, it's like, or, or does it even need an answer? The fact that someone's even asking that question or would ask that question, is it even worth a response? Um, part of me wants to say, no, that's not a valid, you know, question. What does that mean? Are you a photographer? I mean, that that's, it, well, it's I'm a lot more a camera, complex. You know, and it's, it, I look like a photographer when I'm working. Um, Do you identify as a photographer? Identi- yes, I identify <laughs> as a photographer. <laughs> you know. That brings up the question: If I'm if I'm using a plunger, does that make me a plumber? A plumber, you know, or you know, fixing my sink or installing, you yeah. know, a, a gas stove or something like that? Does that make me a plumber? No, it just makes me someone who knows how to do that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah. anyway, I don't know if that's a fair comparison. Um, no, I, my my gut tells me that that yes, we are photographers, even if it's an audience of one. We're going through the process of creating the images now you know, win a grand, you know, leaving 3,600 rolls of undeveloped film. It was 3,600? I think it was, yeah, Tom <laughs> Roma. There was a, on PBS, there was a American Masters show about Gary Winogrand. And if you're a fan at all and you have a PBS subscription, it comes around about once a year. Definitely worth watching. I don't care if you're not a street person a street photographer, a street person. You could, you know, street people appreciate photography too. They're welcome mm-hmm. to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a very interesting uh, reflection on his life and the way he worked. And um, so, you know, w- with Winogrand, it, I think because he had a child very late in life who he was carting around with him while he was still working in the street and his failing health. Uh, I mean, his life was more complicated towards the end, and that probably contributed to that entropy that happened with, you know, just jamming a bunch of rolls of film in the in the desk and saying he'll get to them. Oh. Um, 
But no, I think with with Vivian Meyer, she it's she's clearly passionate about what she was creating. I mean, you look at the care that went into many of those images. I know all the ones that I saw exhibited here. The last the last social whatever you want public thing I I did before the pandemic was go see the Vivian Meyer uh, exhibit that was here at the Glenbow Museum, and I think it was is it February, January, or February of twenty nineteen. And, um, hmm. it was interesting to see, it was interesting to see her perspective on things. There was a, there's a, even if, well, if you don't want to call her a photographer at the time she was actually shooting and shooting for herself, now that you say the genie's out of the bottle and we're all looking at these images, well, of course she was a photographer. You know, that maybe that's the way that I would, that I would think about it. And so she was that, an that artist, a photographic artist, an yeah. artist, and someone who didn't necessarily think that at the time when she was doing it. Maybe we don't know, but yeah. um, we all. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't know I'm by myself. I mean, I go back and forth, like whether I'm an artist or photographer or whatever the hell I am. I mean, I, putting all these labels on things is right. Is I don't know what I, you know what this whole thing about putting labels on things. Like, why not just just take the pictures and you know who cares about the label, ultimately. Yeah. Because in in the end result is we've created these images, they're seen or not seen, or eventually they might be seen or they might be lost to time, and we don't know how many Vivian Myers have been in the world that we will never see, mm -hmm. uh, and or they have yet to be discovered, and whether or not they're considered photographers or not doesn't really matter because in the end we're hopefully going to see how they viewed the world. And, and, yeah. uh, so what if you're, you know, so what if, if someone labels you a photographer, who, who cares? Who, yeah. I'm going to say, excuse me, but I'm going to say, who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't curse on this too much, but like, this really deserves it. Like, so what, you know, uh, if someone is going to label you as not a photographer because you're not displaying your work or you're not sharing on social media or something like that, if that's going to affect you and what you do, well, then I'm sorry, but you know, that's. You know that's not how you should be approaching the this art or this thing that we do to express right. ourselves. If you're going to go by the judgments of other people and the words and the labels that they put on us, you know, fine. I mean, it's not it's not it's not worth the effort. So uh, you know, she would. I I don't want to speak for her. I mean, I'm just imagining. You know, that's um, part of the interesting aspect with her. We're yeah. all trying to, or we're all trying to imagine what she was thinking or feeling because of the, her, her particular circumstance we're all trying to yeah finish finish the chapter um it, it what's interesting you said at the beginning of of us bringing up the segment was that she's an interesting person she's you know just like anybody have has a private life and quirks and you know whatever they're calling her a hoarder because she had all this stuff and and uh, you know she had certain particular things i mean there's a there's a documentary about her which talks about all of her little quirks and stuff and you know there's some part of us that like part of me that thinks it's not something that i really needed to know like we all have our yeah. stuff and when i die you know someone's gonna go through my stuff and start making ideas about who i am and what i did and 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 they could be true and they could be not true and like ultimately well, who cares about that stuff that's in a way none of our business and even if yeah, it becomes our enough. business how, how is that going to affect anything? What, whether she's a hoarder or, or did all these things. I mean, like, to a certain extent. I mean, she's not a criminal, you know, or something yeah. like that. But, you know, to a certain extent, I, I don't care that she collected thousands of newspapers and, and stuffed them in a storage room. Her, it, that doesn't affect me about her photography or her vision. No, that's true. Yeah. You know? So, anyway, I, I, I think that's interesting that we, we there are this, this need to label people and put them in compartments and and decide that uh, someone you know either is or isn't something because of some sort of quote unquote rules or guidelines right. or norms. And the photography community and social media are the absolute worst of uh, these snap judgments about things. You know, there is a lot of that. I don't know how that came to be because it it didn't exist. I I don't think it existed too much prior to to this like i don't know what is it about what is the drug that social media and we're not talking about the dopamine but like what is the drug that everybody 
consumed that turns us into, and I'm part of this too, turns us into idiots and critique, you know, critics and stuff on the internet when it really. Well, cause it's on our screen. We want to say something about it. Yeah. If we don't like it, we're te we tend to be more motivated to say something we don't like about an image than if we do just give a heart and don't give a positive comment, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, it'd be nice to move away from that a little bit. And, and, you know, just so you know, you remember I said I'm off of Instagram. It's been over a year now. I think it was a year, April, that I haven't been on it. Yeah. I also haven't been up. I haven't been uploading stuff on Vero and stuff that much. Me neither. Just the uh, New York stuff was the last thing. Yeah, I I've been, you know, considering where I was in terms of social media and, and presence, I've cut back a lot. And, yeah. you know, the only place I seem to be putting pictures up is in my Facebook uh, local neighborhood groups and stuff like that. And so my audience is in a sense, my local people, my neighbors, which you actually mm -hmm. are quite happy with in a sense, because it feels like it makes, and, and you guys too, the, on, on, the, the, our unusual collective, you know, yeah. my, my group of, uh, my group of six friends, five friends, I don't remember where we are now in, in that yeah. group, uh, that, that almost counts more in some sense, like the, having a smaller audience, uh, and not, sharing out to the world i'm finding like i'm surviving and i don't yeah. necessarily take the you know i still like to take pictures and i still like to they're, they're, they're meaningful to me so you know the audience of you know i didn't have a big following on instagram like two twenty eight hundred people you know who cares i don't really care anywhere yeah. like, it hasn't changed my life I'm like i'm not you know, it's like the world hasn't ended yeah. you know i still take i think good photography and then you know Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe less, 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 less influenced by the uh, mob, uh, as it yeah. were. So, all right. Yeah. I think to we covered own. that. To each his own. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to hear if anybody has got some ideas about this, if they want to reach out to us and, and tell us. I would like to you know, hear what you guys have to say. I'm going to put the link to uh, Kilby's video in our show notes, but please just go to his uh YouTube channel and follow him. He's probably one of the better photography discussions on YouTube um, that exists, I think. Uh, and it was great having him on the show a while back. I would love to have him on again. So, yeah, anyway. me too. Yeah. All right, Ward. So, where is in the world can you be found? In this, and then, <laughs> of course, we just get off and of talking about social media. Now it's like, where is yeah, the social media world? Yeah, let's load it up here. <laughs> and so, by the way, to make things more efficient, okay, Antonio suggested. I'm just telling our our dear listener to write down what our social media contacts are, so that I wouldn't be stumbling over them like I do. Well, I do the every same thing too. <laughs> freaking show. So, so you can, and I might speed through these. You might have to slow me down because I'm mm -hmm. actually reading them. Uh, you can find me on Vero and Twitter at WRosinPhoto. Find me on Instagram at WardRosinFineArt. That's W-A-R-D-R-O-S-I-N, Fine Art. Facebook, I'm at uh, Ward Rosin Photography, or the short name would be Ward Rosin Photo. Uh, my website, where I sell uh, the book, the uh, Between Dust and Sky book about the Handhills Lake Stampede, is at rosin.ca. And I have that little business selling... Um, uh, selling lens adapters and seven artisans lenses. And it's at ornis.photo or nis.photo. And Antonio, our unofficial, sponsor. our unofficial sponsor, sponsor, Antonio. And where can yeah. we find you? Where can you find me? Okay. Vero, <laughs> Vero, Twitter, Flickr. I'm at AM Rosario. My Instagram is AM Rosario too, but don't, you can see my pictures, but don't follow me there. Uh, website is amrosario.com. My Facebook, which is where I post a lot of pictures, is uh, Rosario Photo. And um, our podcast website is streetshots.photography. We also, I just changed our name on uh, Facebook. So now we're um, facebook.com streetshots podcast. Nice. So I remember I had switched to manual up there for a while, so I just switched it. So we are on Facebook. I'd like to bring that. I'd like to get um, some people on Facebook. So I vote I'm we change it to. Um Switch to aperture priority. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll think about that one. Anyway, okay. so uh, you guys, if you want to call in and leave us a short voicemail, we have a uh, voicemail recording service, speakpipe.com slash street shots. That's S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot -E com. Speakpipe. 
paypal.com slash street shots. And if you want to help support us and buy us a coffee once in a while, that'd be great. And uh, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Antonio Rosario. I haven't been able to switch that name yet. So uh, if you want to help support the show in some way, uh, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash Antonio Rosario. So, or at least buy Antonio a coffee. Buy me a coffee, yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, I am paying the bills here. Just <laughs> When I visit, you buy me a coffee. We'll be, uh, I buy good. you a coffee, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You can, buy, you can buy Opie, a um, since he's here right now, my cat. You can help buy him a toy uh, so he doesn't jump on the table so much. But anyway, okie doke. Well, that was that was a nice long talk, and we covered yep. a lot. We did. All right, man. So uh, I appreciate you hanging out with me tonight. And no problem. Thank you very much. Yeah, and good night to everybody, and uh, see you in a couple of weeks. See you later. Good night. Right. Bye. Also, yeah. All right. Can you can hear me okay. I can hear you uh, five by five. Five by. What does that mean? Um, on the gauges, uh, on the old CB radios, instead of, uh, it was, uh, it was basically a DB gauge, right? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. and there was two scales on it. One was the negative DB and the other one was uh, a scale one, two, three, four, five. And if you were a full signal, it would click over <laughs> into oh. five and then you're coming in five at five. Okay. So, I had my, my only CB was a walkie talkie. It didn't have that. It did have a little. Did have a little thing like this that zipped back and forth like, like I, that. But yeah, my dad had one in his car, and uh, it's great. The quality of that little incandescent light inside that gauge when you're driving home from work <laughs> in the middle of the night, and maybe someone wants to talk to me, or you pick up the skip from somewhere south of the border, and you'd be hearing truckers in, like, freaking Texas and Oklahoma, you know, just... It was very cool. It was romantic. I told you what my, my, my handle was, right? Did I ever tell you? No, you might have. I don't Pink know. Panther. Oh, yeah, you did. Mine my was... friend, my friend across the street who had the other radio, he was Droopy Drawers. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a handle? Yeah, I did. Son of Waterloo Boy. This is what? Compl- Say it again? convoluted. Son of Waterloo Boy. My dad Son was Waterloo, Waterloo Boy. Boy. Waterloo Boy was an old tractor before there were wow. John Deere tractors. He was Waterloo boy, and he went to train in the factory in Waterloo, Iowa. So he had a connection to it. I didn't. You had, to, I was, you had to say that fast too, right? I mean, yeah, I just became son of, and then people son laughed of. at that. Yeah. <laughs>